Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 12.22 p.m. Central Daylight Time. This is the 18th of May, 2020. This is episode 240. It's not 420, bro, of Bitcoin. And let's start with a circus, okay? Let's actually go ahead and start off with an actual, honest to God, train wreck here, okay? So train wrecked coming at you real quick, man. An attempt to bring Bitcoin to Ethereum failed after two days. (laughs) Two days, man. Greg Thompson writing this for Decrypt.co. Keep project created TBTC, a way of using Bitcoin on the Ethereum network, but after two days, it has already been shut down. Somebody pulled the red lever, apparently. Um, An ambitious attempt to create a trustless version of Bitcoin for use on the Ethereum network has failed. After just two days, developer Matt Luongo announced he was pulling the plug on TBTC today on Twitter, adding that he will soon release a postmortem on what went wrong. Quote, TBTC lasted on mainnet two days. Alas, it was born before its time. Good night, sweet prince. We've pulled the red lever, pausing deposits for the next 10 days, and are helping users drain funds. We'll publish a full postmortem when confirmed, and we will rise again. I submit to you that this is all bullshit. I don't even know why they tried this, but let's continue. Tokenized versions of Bitcoin are ways of bringing the world's number one cryptocurrency and making it usable on the Ethereum network. Excuse me. The tokenized form of Bitcoin can then be used in decentralized finance apps and within other decentralized apps. My question is why? Why don't you just use the corn? I don't get this, but TBTC is one form of tokenized Bitcoin. It uses smart contracts to lock up a certain amount of Bitcoin and unlock a tokenized version of Bitcoin of the same amount on the Ethereum network. Why? According to data from BTC on Ethereum.com, a total of 7.13 Bitcoin or roughly $68,000 is locked up in TBTC at time of writing. This is peanuts compared to the more well-known wrapped Bitcoin or WBTC project, which has 2,296 Bitcoin locked up worth about $22 million, but it's not bad for its first two days. What? Okay. Unlike wrapped Bitcoin, TBTC was designed to be more decentralized. Bullshit. While wrapped Bitcoin depends on several companies in the crypto space to oversee the whole operation, TBTC had no such dependencies. But by relying fully on smart contracts, its code had to be faultless. And this is likely where things went wrong. Quote, TLDR on what happened, asked Anthony Sassano, product marketing manager at Set Protocol. Quote, smart contracts are hard, replied designer Richard Burton. 
Smart contract bugs can have devastating impacts. In one instance, just a few lines of code broke the DAO, an organization built on the blockchain, which hoped to distribute funding to projects. It lost 3.6 million Ethereum worth $50 million at the time. And they're surprisingly common. A report in August of 2019 found that 25% of all smart contracts contained serious bugs and 60% of all projects looked looked at had at least one security issue according to bitcoin.com <laughs> don't go there guys with that bug in mind stopping the tbtc project should reduce the risk of anyone losing money but that de- but that developers were able to stop it raises questions over how decentralized it really was to begin with that's the end of the article but that last sentence says it all it doesn't matter what all the rest of the, the crap that you heard in this particular story was talking about. The fact of the matter is, it's not going to ever be decentralized. Not when somebody can pull a red lever and bring the whole son of a bitch to a screeching halt. So I'm going to do that train wreck a, a, a little bit different today. But still, there is your smoldering pile sitting over there in the corner. BitMEX. Oh, God, this may be another one. BitMEX faces lawsuit for money laundering, market manipulation, and cyber crimes. This was written by, who wrote this on Bit? Oh, uh, Steve Muchoki is writing this sometime this morning for Coinspeaker.com. BitMEX, one of the largest crypto derivatives exchanges in the world, and its executives are facing a lawsuit, accusing them of engaging in money laundering, wire fraud, racketeering, and also unlicensed money transmission. In a controversial lawsuit, BitMEX one of the leading crypto derivatives exchanges has been accused by BMA LLC of engaging in cyber crimes, including money laundering, wire fraud, racketeering, and also engaging in unlicensed money transmission. According to the lawsuit filed in the United States District Court for the Northern District of California on May the 16th, BitMEX is alleged to be deliberately designed from the ground up to facilitate a myriad of illegal activities. Oh, God. The lawsuit further accuses BitMEX's parent company, HDR Global Trading, and also its top executives of engaging in similar charges as the company is accused of. Some of the executives mentioned in the lawsuit include Arthur Hayes, Ben Dello, and also Samuel Reed. The plaintiff cited several sources who disclosed that almost 15% of BitMEX's 2019 trading volume is attributable to the United States traders. Approximately, the figure would trickle down to $138 billion U.S., enhancing the magnitude of the case in the media. The lawsuit is derived from the fact that BitMEX has been allegedly processing, on average, $3 billion in money transfers daily without having a license to permit them in the United States. Hmm. Quote, this represents the record volume for such unlawful activity in the entire history of the monetary regulation in the United States the plaintiff claims. In addition, BMA LLC accuses the defendants of conspiring to conduct money transfer business through a pattern of racketeering activity. What stood out is the accusation of cryptocurrency manipulation, which is a huge challenge in that sector. Since there is no central body to regulate the cryptocurrency market, huge market players take advantage of that window to manipulate the market in their favor. It is a billion dollar industry that promises to make huge profits for any investor in a short period. This is seen by the comparison of profits made by most traditional stocks in the past decade and profits made by Bitcoin and most altcoins in the same period. Notably, the rate return rate for most cryptocurrency has been in the thousands of percentages. 
whereas the traditional stocks are struggling to maintain even a single rally. Sell, sell, sell. According to the lawsuit, BitMEX provides traders with extremely high leverage amounting to hundreds for a very volatile derivative. BMA LLC accuses the defendants of allowing money launderers to operate illegally with an unlimited number of anonymous and unverified accounts, which in essence do not have trading or withdrawal limits. The lawsuit also claims that the defendant deliberately freezes servers and also uses fraudulent system overload to accept or reject specific trading orders during volatile markets. All these are done to trigger maximum liquidations, resulting in most retailers losing their money. Sell, sell, sell. Man, that's gonna that's actually kind of a stinging uh, lawsuit here, guys. That's not this isn't something to blink at. The structure, uh, just reading through it, the the structure of how they're making the accusations is uh, looks like it's very engineered, which seems to suggest that somebody is very serious. It's not like BitMEX hasn't been, you know, in trouble before, but duders, come on, this is, you know, I'm saying this one isn't good. So just you will have to keep our eyes on. BitMEX, and I guess a, a signal as to whether or not, you know, it's being taken seriously is if Arthur Hayes goes scuba diving while this is all going on. All right, Dinwiddie bro, NBA star Spencer Dinwiddie starts Bitcoin GoFundMe account, says fans get to choose his next team. God, talk about trust. Holy shit, man. This is uh, written sometime this morning for the Daily Hodel staff by, or for the Daily Hodel by the Daily Hodel staff. NBA star and outspoken crypto enthusiast Spencer Dinwiddie has organized a GoFundMe campaign that seeks to raise nearly $25 million worth of Bitcoin. God, I really wish he would have used BTC Pay Server for doing this, but oh well. According to the GoFundMe page, Dinwiddie says he will allow his fans to determine which NBA team he signs a one-year contract with if the campaign raises enough money to buy 2,625.8 Bitcoin. Far cry from 6.15. His current contract with the Brooklyn Nets expires after the 2020-2021 NBA season. The Brooklyn Nets guard also says that if the campaign fails to hit the target, he will donate 100% of the funds to charity. The campaign is Dinwiddie's way of engaging with his fans, according to the NBA player's statement to Shams, wait a minute, statement to Shams Charana? I can't, I can't remember, I can't pronounce that name. A writer for The Athletic, quote, shoe companies and endorsers influence team decisions all the time. My slash our biggest endorsers will always be the fans, so I want to have some fun with this while we're all under quarantine. I hope no owners slash team personnel participate, so there's no impropriety on this one kind of endorsement deal, end quote. Other than a small say of where Dinwiddie will play next, it is not clear what the fans will get by participating in the multi-million dollar campaign. The NBA player also did not state whether he plans to keep all the Bitcoin should the fundraiser hit its target. At the time of writing, the GoFundMe page has raised only $1,010 from 94 donors. Oh man, that seems like that might be a little bit embarrassing. Oh well. Fed chair, we have the ability to create money digitally. No shit, dude. Really. Turner Wright is writing this one for Cointelegraph. 
sometime late last night or very, very early this morning. Yeah, very early this morning. Chair of the United States Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, recently spoke about measures taken during the financial crisis with many on Twitter viewing his remarks as evidence of the need for cryptocurrency. You mean you spelled Bitcoin wrong. In a May 17th interview on 60 Minutes, Powell spoke to news anchor Scott Pelley saying the Fed had essentially flooded the economy with money printed in response to the Dow Jones falling in March and investors turning away from United States Treasuries. According to Powell, the Fed can print U.S. dollars digitally in addition to creating physical bills. I swear to God, this somehow or another, I'm just taken back to somebody explaining how to cut bunnies out of paper while I was in kindergarten. I don't know why that hit me, but there's something about this that is like, just a great big duh quote as a central bank we have the ability to create money digitally and we do that by buying treasury bills or bonds from other government guaranteed securities and that actually increases the money supply we also print actual currency and we distribute that through the federal reserve banks oh this is painful guys when asked by Pelly whether the Fed could do more during the pandemic, Powell said it was not out of ammunition by a long shot, stating the bank would enlarge its existing lending pro- programs for as long as we need to. Sell, sell, sell. Many members of crypto Twitter were quick to pounce on the Fed chair's remarks. Podcaster Marty Bent said that such inflationary measures like flooding the system with money were harder to do with cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. We print digital. Here's Marty's tweet. He's in quotes is we print it digitally. The we here is five people voting on changes to monetary policy within the Federal Reserve System during FOMC meetings. Five out of 330 million people. That's all it takes to change U.S. monetary policy. Much harder with Bitcoin. Think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, Marty. Uh, let's see. Other Others, like crypto enthusiast Nick Chong, were more concise. Quote, that's a weird way of saying buy Bitcoin. Yeah, they spelt buy Bitcoin wrong. <clears throat> the type of actions that Powell discusses can have an immediate impact on traditional markets. However, Cointelegraph has reported that BTC's recent bullish behavior suggests the cryptocurrency is far less correlated with stocks than it was at the start of the pandemic. You guys really need to adjust your time scales, like what, your time horizons. It's not correlated. Sometimes it looks like it's correlated. But if you're just looking in like within weeks or months or even like a year, you can't, you can't do that. You can't have that kind of time horizon. Otherwise, you're just going to get all confused. Okay, so it's just not correlated. Please stop it. Federal Reserve Chairman doubles down on battle to boost economy, says U.S. will dodge second Great Depression. Now, this is the Daily Hodel staff writing for the Daily Hodel sometime this morning. And this is more about Jerome Powell from a different uh, from a different viewpoint. Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, sees a long battle ahead with escalating unemployment and disrupted daily life, altered work habits, declining retail sales, looming bankruptcies and battered industries. Powell suspects that the three trillion dollars in rescue money approved by Congress will fail to reverse lasting damage and spare and spare a generation from employment challenges and flat wages. I think that sentence was right, written wrong. I'm not sure, but we'll just go on. In his latest 60 Minutes interview, 
He said, quote, the real-time economic data that we're seeing is just a function of how successful the social distancing measures are. So the data we'll see for this quarter, which ends in June, will be very, very bad, very bad. There will be a big decline in economic activity, big increase in unemployment. So what we're really looking at is getting the medical data, which is not what we usually look at taking care of, so that the economic data can start to recover. God, this is... I, uh, I I cannot watch. I'm not going to watch this interview. I can't with statements like this. It's like, are it's like he's high or I, or a, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I see puppet. That's all I can see right now. As epidemiologists look for signs of flattening curves and any indication that the coronavirus has veered from its exponential growth rate, Powell points to data suggesting that long-term unemployment can inflict lasting damage to careers as skills atrophy, businesses shudder, and the job creation machine goes bust. Quote, I would say the main thing is to get back on the road to recovery, and I think that can happen relatively soon, likely to happen in the second half of this year. That's a reasonable expectation. After that, the path is going to depend on a range of things. It's very plausible that the economy will take some time to gather momentum. Oh, Lord have mercy, man. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I clicked on something that I shouldn't have clicked on and it kind of surprised me there. Um, to prevent more businesses from closing their doors, Powell confirms the Fed's extensive powers. There's a lot more we can do. We're not out of ammunition by a long shot. No, there's really no limit to what we can do with these lending programs that we have. Powell also explained how the money supply grows out of thin air. Quote, host Scott Pelley says, fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Powell, yes. Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Pelley, where does it come from? Do you just print it, pal? We print it digitally. We, as a central bank, we have the ability to create money digitally. And we do that by buying treasury bills or bonds or other government-guaranteed securities. And that actually increases the money supply. We also print actual currency and we distribute that through the Federal Reserve Banks. Yeah, we already heard that one. Uh, although Powell says the economy will nosedive in the second quarter <laughs> at an annualized rate of approximately 30% amid historic unemployment figures with 35 million Americans out of work due to the pandemic, he remains positive that the country will not collapse into a second Great Depression. Quote, I don't think the second Great Depression is a likely outcome at all. We had a very healthy economy two months ago. Our <laughs> That's why a virus destroyed it, huh? Because it was that healthy. Our financial system is strong. You have governments around the world and central banks around the world responding with great force and very quickly and staying at it. So I think all of those things point to what will be. It's going to be a very sharp downturn. It should be a much shorter downturn than you would associate with the 1930s, end quote. While Powell doesn't see a bounce back to normal by the end of 2020, he does anticipate a turnaround in the second half of the year, jumpstarting a long, slow road to recovery. Adds Powell, quote, We have the most dynamic economy in the world, and we're the home of so much of the great technology in the world. So in the long run, I would say the United States economy will recover. We'll get back to the place where it was in February. We'll get to an even better place than that. I'm highly confident of that. End quote. Oh God. Oh man. That's some cringe worthy shit right there, bro. Uh, but here we get into some, some cringe from yet more central bank news. Liam Frost writing this one for decrypt.co sometime this morning. 
Central bank official arrested for currency manipulation in Lebanon. Yep. Yep. If you've been following what's going on in Lebanon, is it any surprise that there was a central bank behind the whole damn thing? So, okay. Mazen Hamden, the head of monetary operations at the Central Bank of Lebanon, was arrested for alleged currency manipulation amid the prolonged financial crisis, according to Al Jazeera's article published on Saturday. Currently, Lebanon continues to experience its worst economic woes in decades. For example, local banks have previously begun to impose informal capital controls and increased restrictions on foreign currency movements, forcing people to withdraw their money in Lebanese pounds at the official exchange rate, essentially reducing their savings by 40%. According to Al Jazeera, the country's currency has been in a constant state of decline since August. Its collapse culminated in late April with a 12% drop against the United States dollar in a single day, leading to massive street riots. After that, the central bank ordered all currency exchanges to trade dollars at the fixed rate of 3,200 Lebanese pounds. Simultaneously, authorities launched a crackdown against currency traders who exceeded that rate as the United States dollar's dollars price was reaching 4,200 Lebanese pounds on the black market. This led to Lebanon's financial prosecutor ordering the arrest of several dozen exchange dealers in recent weeks, including Mohamed Mrad, the head of the currency exchange dealers syndicate. Last Thursday, he also ordered the arrest of Hamden, Al Jazeera reported. While there have, or sorry, quote, while there have been some instances of currency manipulation, which is not unexpected when the currency peg falls apart after 22 years, the lira, or Lebanese pound, is dropping primarily because there isn't sufficient dollars being pumped by the central bank or coming from overseas to lift it. Dan Azee, an economic analyst and former CEO of Standard Charterer Bank Lebanon, told the outlet, In a recent statement, Lebanon Central Bank has reportedly said that it is helping the investigators in disclosing its transactions with currency exchange dealers. The bank's official also claimed that between April 8th and May 5th, the institution sold $12.7 million to currency exchange dealers and bought $11.3 million, thus arguing that these amounts were not enough for the exchange to drop from 2,900 Lebanese pounds for $1 to over 4,000. As decrypt reported earlier, increasingly more people in Lebanon are now trading and moving cryptocurrency in the wake of this economic meltdown. Quote, right now, the Lebanese are interested in escaping tight restrictions on cash withdrawals and transfers. They basically want financial freedom, said Mahmoud Dahm who has been trading Bitcoin since 2015. If you want to go around the banking system, Bitcoin is a solution. End quote. Last December, Decrypt theorized that Bitcoin is pointing to the future of decentralized protests just over five months. And one coronavirus outbreak later, many financial experts, <clears throat> excuse me, such as Mike Novogratz, argue that Bitcoin is the future Will they turn out to be right? Well, I don't know. I guess we'll all have to wait and see. But right now, let's do some vitals. We are saved, man. Salvation is at hand for the financial markets. All the markets are up today. That's good, right? Okay, let's just do it. CNBC forward or dot com forward slash markets has the S&P up three and a quarter points. NASDAQ is up two and a half percentage points. The Dow Jones is up three and three quarter percentage points. The FTSE is up four and a quarter 
and yeah, and everything else is like, you know, eh, whatever. But yes, apparently we are all saved. Uh, I, I feel very good about this. Hell, even the uh, German 10-year bund has gained 0.007 percentage points to bring it in at a negative 0.474. Japanese 10-year bond is also in negative territory, minus 0.005. It actually got hit pretty hard. Uh, The yield on the 30-year is up. It's at yielding 1.4%. The 10-year U.S. is yielding uh, about three-quarters of a percent. Oil had a big day or is having a big day. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is at 31.59%. Uh, that represents a 7% change to the upside. Natural gas, dude, it rocked it 12.15% to the upside. It is selling at $1.84. Let's see, is there anything else? Now, let's talk about actual money here. Bitcoin is at 9655 Looks like my low is going to be over at, where's my low? Yeah, there's a lot of these. My low is going to be at Coinbase Pro at 9,622. My high is going to be at Coinsbit at $9,675. Uh, only 269,000 transactions were conducted in the last 24 hours. That's kind of low, man. Uh, we have That brings us in at about 11,200 transactions on average per hour with only 895,000 BTC being sent in that 24-hour period. Uh, average being sent per hour is 37,315 BTC with the average va- uh, transaction value being 3.32 BTC and the median transaction value at 0.042 BTC or right around 400 bucks. Block times are high. You would expect that. We are at 11 minutes and 10 seconds. And it looks like 1.2 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. Ooh, good God. 153 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. I uh, had a good rate, uh, hash rate drop. Now, remember, this is not my node looking at the network. This is bitinfocharts.com's uh, number. Mine may be different. Uh, 3.5% drop in hash rate in the last 24 hours brings us well below the 100 mark, back down to 90 point nine exahashes per second the last time nobody did anything on bitcoin according to github last commit was sometime yesterday mm. yeah ethereum at 212 bcash at 246 bsv at 200 litecoin at 45 uh, ethereum classic at six dollars and 65 cents dogecoin adding a little bit 0.0026 the hell's going on with doge man this is just insane uh, 33,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. It beats out Litecoin, but nothing else. Let's see what my note has to say about the hash rate. My daily average hash rate from my note is saying it's 100.1 exahashes per second with the weekly rate real close, 102.9 exahashes per second. There are 52,000 transactions pending in the mempool and it looks like all the miners are doing their job um i saw one earlier like way early this morning one block that was not full but all the last 10 of the blocks that i'm looking at all the all the blocks are full now let's look at uh clark moody bitcoin Bitcoin bitcoin.clarkmoody.com has lightning network stats at 902 btc in as total capacity giving us 8.67 million dollars of liquidity 
that is actually conducted over 7,000 total nodes with 35,296 channels. Uh, Tor capacity is at 399.72 BTC, representing 44.3% of the network. There are now 2,020 Tor nodes. Nice, nice. Uh, just so you know, Clark Moody also has mempool stats. And yeah, reflecting the same that I'm getting. Uh, Clark Moody says that there are 52,000 transactions waiting, and that gives us a total mempool size of 73 megabytes. There are 74 blocks to clear. Good God almighty. That's going to do it for vitals. Part two of Morning Roundup. Hackers suspected of using supercomputers to mine Monero. Oh, man. I, I think supercomputing centers in small and large universities across the world are going to be honeypots from now on uh, if they have anywhere close to supercomputing power. Like my old college, Texas Tech University, has got really good supercomputing capabilities. And if you think that I wasn't thinking about hacking it to mine Bitcoin, you'd be wrong. But thankfully for them, I don't know how to do that shit. So I think we're all safe. Supercomputers across Europe have been infected with malware that caused them to mine the Monero cryptocurrency. Incidents in the UK, Switzerland, and Germany have led to shutdowns while the security incident is investigated. Oh, by the way, this is Aditya Das writing for Brave New Coin sometime this morning. The latest National Supercomputing Service in the UK, Archer, first reported the security exploitation on Monday, the 11th of May. The Archer team had to disable access and close their supercomputer service to allow further investigations to occur. An update on the security incident was published on Friday, stating that diagnostic work is continuing and the group will provide a further update on the intrusion. There were separate security incidents reported in Germany over the week. On the 14th of May, the Leibniz Supercomputing Center reported that it had temporarily closed access to all of their high-performance computing systems. The University of Dresden subsequently announced that it had shut down its Tarsus supercomputer. The Swiss National Supercomputer Supercomputing Center in Zurich also announced that many of their data centers had been paralyzed in a cybersecurity incident. Within the announcement, they warned that several HPC and academic data centers of Europe and around the world are currently fighting against cyber attacks and therefore had to shut down their computing infrastructure. London-based Cato Security has released an analysis of the potential attack. They suggest a single actor or group may have been behind all the attacks in Germany, the UK, and Switzerland. Chris Doman Co-founder of Cato Security told Z ZDNet on Monday that attackers gained access to a supercomputing node. They then appear to have used an exploit for the CVE 2019-15666 vulnerability to gain root access to the supercomputers and then deploy an application that mined the Monero cryptocurrency. A post from June 2019 in Trend Microsecurity Intelligence blog discusses the CVE vulnerability. It was first discovered in April and uses a decentralization vulnerability involving the widely used Oracle web logic server. <coughs> oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Don't worry about that. It's not Corona. 
Quote, by using certificate files for obfuscation purposes, a piece of malware can possibly evade detection since the downloaded file is in a certificate file format, which is seen as normal, the post explained. During a live stream cybersecurity panel hosted as part of the Monero Network's anniversary, Dave Jevons, the CEO of California-based blockchain analytic firm CypherTrace, explained that building a fully compliant monitoring system for privacy-centric blockchains like Monero is a difficult one. Jevons points out that the onus may be on crypto platforms where hackers choose to liquidate their acquired XMR tokens. He mentions that a potential answer is a private secure inter-exchange transfer network similar to the SWIFT network used by banks. Monero has the 13th highest market capitalization of any crypto asset on Brave New Coins coin market cap table and the largest of any privacy-focused coin. The project has roots dating back to 2012 and Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency based on the now ubiquitous crypto note application layer, which works by grouping public keys together to ensure a sender's transaction details are obfuscated and uses ring signatures to sign transactions for anonymity. Like Bitcoin, the Monero white paper has an anonymous author. The Crypto Note V 2.0 white paper was written by Nicholas Van Saberhagen. Within it, Saberhagen describes a privacy-focused alternative to Bitcoin version or vision of peer-to-peer electronic cash. The white paper discusses the issues of untraceability and unlinkability. It suggests that Bitcoin is only pseudo-anonymous and not anonymous. Saberhagen defines an untraceable transaction as occurring when all possible senders are equiprobable. Equiprobable. I've never seen that word before, but I know what it means. But equiprobable for each incoming transaction, or there is an equal chance that any sender from the network is an originator of a transaction. Saberhagen defines an unlinkable transaction as occurring when it is impossible to prove any two transactions were sent to the same person. These transaction types utilize multi-layered, linkable, spontaneous, anonymous group signatures, or SAG, ring confidential transactions, and stealth addresses. These features enable untraceable, unlinkable private and analysis of resistant transactions. Unlike the Bitcoin network, the public key of both the recipient and the originator of Monero is hidden on his public ledger. Okay, well, even Bob gets it. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki apparently likes Bitcoin. Daily Hodel staff writing for the Daily Hodel says, Rich Dad, Poor Dad author says Bitcoin will rise to $75,000. By 2023, as the United States economy is dying, this was actually written yesterday. The author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, personal finance book series, Robert Kiyosaki, says he believes that Bitcoin will surge to 75 grand. In a viral tweet, Kiyosaki says he's betting on hard assets like gold and Bitcoin to prepare for a possible economic meltdown due to misguided government policies. Quote, economy is dying, fed incompetent, next bailout, trillions in pensions, hope fading, bought more gold, silver, Bitcoin. And then he gives the prices uh, like, oh, predict $75,000 in three years, pray for the best, prepare for the worst. God, it sounds like a, a I'm stuck on a... I'm stranded on a deserted island. Please send help immediately kind of message in a bottle thing. The latest data (laughs) supports the author's assessment that the economy is not faring well. Apparently him and Jerome disagree. In April, retail sales fell a record 16.4% while manufacturing output posted a record-breaking 13.7% decline. Meanwhile, the Fed expects the United States economy to tank by the end of the second quarter. 
investment analyst Sebastian explains that the central bank looks at key monthly economic data to forecast a 48.07% annualized plunge in the U.S. GDP in the second quarter of 2020. Kiyosaki has been sounding the alarm over the economy since the pandemic erupted last month. The author and entrepreneur said the United States government is printing $10 trillion in order to save the country. Kiyosaki added that Bitcoin will go parabolic once the United States dollar enters bear territory. So, yeah, even Robert Kiyosaki gets it. That's right. The guy that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he gets it. You probably should, too. Nick Chong Writing this one uh, sometime yesterday for Bitcoinist.com, venture capitalist, there still is a lot of garbage in the crypto space. Okay, before I even begin, uh, hardcore Bitcoiners like me always tell you this. We, we sound the alarm every single day. We wake up. First thing we do is don't shitcoin, right? And we catch all manner of crap for that all the time. It's just... So if you can't listen to us, at least listen to Kevin Rose, man. After, even after the 50% crash that the crypto market sustained in March, there remain hundreds of active blockchain projects, all trying to solve different problems in different niches. All of these projects claim to have value, to have purpose, but a leading venture capitalist has argued that the crypto space is still filled to the brim with garbage. Yeah, you spelt scam wrong. TechCrunch recently sat down with Kevin Rose, co-founder of Dig, and a general partner at True Ventures to talk crypto. Rose, who led Google Ventures' 2013 investment in Ripple, (laughs) argued that he thinks there is no doubt the future of currency is digital, mentioning how it can make payment systems more effective and more easily accessible. Yet he did admit that many crypto projects are falling short of the vision and are actually garbage at the end of the day. Amazing coming from a man who championed one of the worst. Quote, so there will be something that comes into existence that is spendable and easy to understand and is based on some type of blockchain technology. Like, there is no doubt that will be the case. The problem is that 99% of the projects out there and a lot of the people who are behind them are just in this for the pure financial gain. And there's a lot of garbage out there. And that's unfortunate because it really drags down the high quality projects and then it muddies the space quite a bit. Like Ripple. Rose's comment is reminiscent of that made by lead technical analyst and crypto research firm Blockfire. An analyst wrote in a recent note regarding the price action of most altcoins, quote, the reason the alt pumps are unconvincing is because they have followed the same patterns. IEOs, interoperability, privacy coins moving together. It's coordinated as it has been the last three years instead of all ships rising together, end quote. Rose's comment on the efficacy of many of these crypto projects is reflective of the bearish outlook that other analysts have on altcoins. Per previous reports from Bitcoinist Josh Olskowitz, a crypto analyst at Brave New Coin, observed on May 15th that Bitcoin's dominance chart printed a textbook signal of strength, a golden cross. In the case, Olskowitz pointed out the 50-day moving average crossed above the 200-day moving average of the Bitcoin dominance chart which tracks what percentage of the crypto market is made up of BTC. 
The arrival of the Golden Cross, the analyst postulated, is a sign that those awaiting an altcoin season may be rudely awakened. Is it altcoin season yet, bro? Previous Golden Crosses on Bitcoin's dominance chart uh, preceded massive rallies in BTC against altcoins, suggesting the same is likely to happen again. Sell, sell, sell. Or buy, buy, buy. I don't know. It uh, depends on where you're at on this whole thing. Uh, in either event, let's let's see what the uh, this next one has to say. Central bank official. Oh wait, I've, I've already done that one. Sorry, that got done twice. Um, <clears throat> this last one here, backed announces new insurance coverage, claims more than seventy custody clients. Uh, this one is written by Nicholas Day uh, sometime this morning for CoinDesk. In a blog post, company president Adam White said Backed had partnered with insurance broker Marsh to provide more than five hundred million dollars worth of cover. Backed customers would have to purchase this insurance themselves, and it would be in addition to, rather than instead of, the custodian's existing $125 million insurance coverage. Marsh has been involved in the crypto space since at least 2018 and already facilitates or provides insurance for Crypto.com and Ledger. Backed now has more than 70 customers for its custody service, the company said. As part of its process, the company has also completed an SOC1 Type 1 examination, an evaluation of the financial reporting controls at a given moment in time, which was conducted by KPMG. So PricewaterhouseCoopers also conducted an SOC2 Type 2 examination, which is an evaluation of customer data protection controls over a six-month period of BACS enterprise functions, including the infrastructure hosted by its parent firm, Intercontinental Exchange, quote, These audited procedures and controls are essential to our institutional customers, White said, citing Tagomi as one of its clients. Backed is also continuing its work on a retail-focused mobile app, eyeing a potential user base of more than 30 million individuals after partnering with two unnamed financial institutions, the blog post added, quote, The suite of enterprise loyalty and merchant products has powered the redemption of more than 1.5 trillion points, helping companies put loyalty points to work for consumers. He said the retail app is uh, development is tied to Back's earlier acquisition of bridge Two solutions, a loyalty rewards platform quote, our enterprise loyalty product provide critical infrastructure to companies around the world. And we're proud to power thousands of programs that unlock digital assets for consumers. White wrote. So Yeah. Do you even insure, bro? So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. What do you call a beehive that has no exits? Unbelievable. So, so freaking bad. All right. That's all I got for you. Yeah. These shows are getting a little shorter and I think there's just, there's not as much going on right now post having be, you know, there's just not, a, I don't know. It's just, it seems a little stagnant, but this kind of happened uh, the last happening. So I don't know, just keep your nose to the grindstone uh, and do all the things and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.